Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutritionist, and I'm the host on this podcast. And I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself. And on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast has been brought to you by Paleo Valley. They are one of my favorite companies because their products are super pure, full of incredible ingredients. And I want to tell you about their meat sticks. They have 100% grass-fed beef, pasture-raised turkey meat sticks that my family and I love. My kids love these because they have tons of flavor. They're completely free of carbs and sugar, and they have probiotics in them as well. So they're great for your gut, great for supporting your appetite, your satiety levels. They help you uh, feel satiated, and they help you burn fat for fuel. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, and preservative-free. So they are the top of the line. They've got some great flavors that you will absolutely love. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. I mean, my kids love these, my family loves these, and I know you will as well. So try them out, Paleo Valley, and I know you're gonna love them. Hey friends, this podcast is actually an interview that I did a few years ago for a project I worked on called the Keto Edge Summit. The Keto Edge Summit was basically where I interviewed, I think it was like 36, 40 of the top keto experts in the world. We talked about all things keto. We talked about how to get the best results out of the diet. We talked about biohacking strategies to do to help improve your digestive system, to help improve your brain health, your energy, and really get the most out of life. And so this interview is with one of my good friends who is an expert in many different areas. And you'll see as we, as we dive into this topic, just, uh, just how deep we go and the quality of the content that you get. And so just a reminder, this is uh, roughly, you know, this is, I think I did these interviews in like 2017, 2018, so a few years old, but uh, the content is just as relevant. And uh, I know that it will make a difference in your life. So you will enjoy this content. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just leaving us a rating or review, your reviews really, really count. They mean the world to us and they help us get seen by more people. So if you just go to your Apple iTunes player and uh, rate us and leave a review, that will really help us uh, just be able to help more people and get this information out to the masses. Thank you for doing that and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everybody to the Keto Edge Summit, where we are dispelling the myths, helping you overcome the hurdles, and empowering you to improve your brain and your body through the ketogenic lifestyle. I'm your host, Dr. David Jockers, and today we have got a really exciting guest and a really 
this is one of my original mentors when it came to being fat adapted, keto adapted, and he continues to mentor me um, just because he's putting out tremendous content, uh, and I'm really super excited to have him on, and, and this is Dr. Dan Pompa, and Dr. Dan, you know, well before this idea of ketosis or the ketogenic diet started to become mainstream like it is now, he was talking about fat adapt, fat adaption and this topic that we're going to touch on called cellular healing. We're going to dive into that, but I remember having conversations with him back in like 2006 about getting fat adapted, healing the cell. And so he's really a pioneer in this area and we are honored and privileged, Dr. Dan, to have you on the Keto Edge Summit. Hey man, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we go way back, dude. You know, it's, it's this conversation's easy for us. We have such great history together. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always been inspired by your story and really how you got into this to begin with, because you and I are both classically trained as chiropractors, and you had a big clinic, successful clinic. You were an athlete, and all of a sudden you had a major health issue. And so, yeah. can you tell our audience really more about what happened there? Yeah, I mean, life was really good. I mean, I had a big practice at the time, and as you pointed out, I mean, I was cycling some major miles every week. I, I would argue I was in the best shape of my life, and then bam, fatigue hit. Mm -hmm. And thought I was overtraining, but realized quickly that it was beyond fatigue. It went to anxiety, insomnia, panic attacks. I, I really, like so many people today, became hormonally a mess. Adrenals gone, couldn't adapt to even loud noise, any stress. Thyroid, even though my blood work was normal, wasn't functioning. You know, the hair started thinning. I mean, every bad possible thing, you yeah. know, hormonally was happening. And my testing, unfortunately, looked normal. And, you know, so I, I couldn't figure it out. I, I became allergic to every food, food intolerant, you know, just, uh, you know, couldn't come to terms with what was going on. It was literally years later that I learned that I had mercury toxicity. And it, you know, looking back, it was after I had some uh, amalgam fillings removed. Mm. And, but I didn't know it. it, you know, it took years to figure that out. And I was on online searching um, and I found Mad Hatter's disease, which is people that were making felt hats used mercury. And they literally became mad as a hatter. And I had all of those same symptoms. I was mad as a hatter, but that was acute poisoning because they were using mercury to uh, in some of the process of how they made the hats but so um, I got a mercury test well I got a blood test for mercury and it came out negative so it was a little over a year later that I was working with a very bright endocrinologist and he said you know Dan I, I think you have mercury toxicity I said Man, I thought so too and I said I did a blood test wrong test that would be good for acute mercury poisoning um, if you were Mad Hatter, <laughs> but I think you have more chronic. And so I did a challenge test and then there it was. And so I asked the next logical question, where do you think I got that from? And he said, do you have any dental work done around the time this all happened? And as it turned out, I did. It was days after the fatigue started and then it just kind of progressively got worse. So, you know, that's my story. I, I you know, it has been a pain to purpose story. So I had to figure out not just how to get the rest of the silver fillings out correctly so I didn't get it worse, but more importantly, getting it out of my brain. Um, that was the big issue. Yeah, absolutely. And so we know mercury and really heavy metals can be so detrimental to health. Yeah. And uh, you discovered 
kind of this topic of cellular healing. Mm -hmm. And so um, how did you kind of come across that on your healing journey and tell our audience really what that is and, and how to go about uh, accomplishing healing truly at the cellular level? Yeah, you know, when I started looking, you know, you kind of you discover things as you, you know, as they unfold. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. you know, no doubt about it. You started, I started looking at what was going wrong at my cell. And then I started finding a lot of literature about how the cell membrane is affected by certain toxins. And unless you fix the membrane, you don't fix even how the cell detoxes, let alone functions with everything, energy, turns, uh, turning off bad genes that have been turned on. You have to fix the membrane to really fix all of those things. Otherwise, yeah. you're not going to feel better. The hormone receptors, I knew I had hormone disruption, but they reside on that cell membrane. And if you don't fix the membrane, you don't fix the receptors to the hormones, you don't fix the symptoms that are occurring from the, hormone, you know, from the hormones themselves. So R number two, I developed this five R's, which yeah. has become a roadmap to how you fix a cell, cellular healing. You know, R number one is you have to remove the sources. In my case, it was mercury. It could be yeah. mold, it could be infections, whatever it is for people, but you have to remove the sources. And then you start to be able to fix the cell. R number two is regenerating the cell membrane. And not just very quickly. R three is you have to restore cellular energy. Again, no cellular process works without enough ATP or gasoline, so to speak, yeah. to make the engine run. Even detoxing a cell can't happen unless you restore the energy. R4 is reducing the inflammation. You get inflammation on all of the membranes, the outer membrane, even the inner membranes where you make where your mitochondria make energy. You have to reduce it. Otherwise, you're not going to feel better. Yeah. And R5 is reestablishing methylation, which again, part of detox, a part of how everything works in the cell, even getting rid of toxic hormones methylation plays a role. Turning off genes that have been triggered, methylation plays a role. So those five R's became a roadmap that I was teaching doctors, look, if we're going to truly help people with all the hormone issues, weight loss resistance, energy problems, brain fog, digestive issues, these five things we have to address. Yeah. That was born then the five R's of cellular healing and cellular detox. All of it has to be fixed. Yeah, and that roadmap just makes so much sense. And back when you came up with that, I mean, in the 90s and the early 2000s, in natural health, basically, you know, doctors were, you know, naturopaths, clinicians were just putting people on random cleanses, herbs, mm -hmm. you know, a couple supplements, but there wasn't really a roadmap. Yeah. So when you brought that in, it was, you know, it was groundbreaking as far as understanding, hey, if somebody's not getting better as we do these things there's a breakdown in one or more of these five R's that we've got to address more specifically. Well, you know, you look at like, we, you know, talking about fat adapted, right? Ketosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are, all, these are tools that really yeah. apply to that, those five R's because you're not going to, if R2 is regenerating the cell membrane, that cell membrane is made of fat. It's called a yeah. lipid bilayer. Well, we need healthy fat to fix it. And oftentimes it's not the fats that people think. Things right. like cholesterol and saturated fat, demonized by society, yeah. are actually some of the most important stabilizing fats of the membrane, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's a lot of lessons that I, I think we've all learned through this process. But, you know, when you look at ketosis, it even applies to energy because you make cell energy in your mitochondria in every cell. It's disrupted. 
And so yeah. if we can take the cell and get it to use fat as an energy source, because the cell can only use two things, glucose, sugar, in other words, or fat. So if we can take and force the cell to use fat, it burns cleaner. So right. therefore now an already challenged cell, if we can get it to burn a cleaner fuel, and it, it, probably the best example for your, your viewers and listeners to understand is this. If you burn wood, there's a lot of smoke. You need a chimney. Otherwise you fill your house with smoke and you die. So if your house is your cell, <laughs> you're going to kill the cell. Yeah. But if you burn natural gas on your stove, you don't need a chimney. It burns that clean. So think mm. of fat as that cleaner burning fuel that we can downregulate this oxidative stress because the cell is already not getting rid of toxins. It's making when it makes energy. Yeah. So therefore, if we switch the energy that burns cleaner, now we give the chance, the cell a chance to heal. So it's a strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so awesome because ketones are more energy efficient. So we're able to basically produce more cellular energy per volume. And on top of that, we've got a lot less oxidative stress. We're not utilizing up energy and you know different raw materials just trying to buffer that so yeah, yeah, yeah it's so, that. so think about it so if we're not driving more oxidation yeah it gives the membranes a chance to heal yeah the increase in fat is the fuel is the the food sources if you will the the building blocks that we need to fix yeah and then we know this if we're now burning a more efficient fuel source our number three is restoring cell energy. That gets better. Yeah. Our number four is reducing the inflammation. Burning more clean fuel reduces inflammation oxidation. Mm. Methylation. If we're not using an oxidized fuel, then we're going to actually improve methylation. So all of the yeah. five R's improve. They all improve. Which the fuel that we're burning. Yeah, so it's a great tool for that. And I know you like to use a carb phasing approach to helping people become fat and keto adapted because you and I both know some people, because of their level of insulin sensitivity, they adapt quickly, whereas other people, it takes a lot longer. It's more challenging for them to adapt. So what are some strategies like the carb phasing, for example, that you like to use to help people get into that fat keto adaption that, that physiological yeah. state. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can start people off with, you know, long-term for most people may not be achievable, getting their carbs yeah. under 10 grams a day, mm. right? But if you just do that for one week, right. now it, it really is forcing the cell. It's do or die. It's yeah. going to choose fat, you know, yeah. eventually. So going low below 10 grams of carbs a day will force that adaptation to happen faster. Then the second week, you could go to 20, third week, right. 30, fourth week, you know, uh, 40. And then, you know, by the fifth week, you know, you're under staying under 50. So yeah. it's just a way of progressing it out to give yeah. people a guideline because you're right on what you said. Very toxic people actually, uh, they'll say, they'll read, okay, get your carbs under 50 grams and they still don't go into ketosis. Mm -hmm. So, which is very, very common, more common than yeah. people think. But that, you know, that graduation actually can help people break through ketosis much quicker. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really ancestral because it seems yeah. like, you know, with today's day and age, people are like, well, if, I, if it's 10 grams of carbs or less, I'm not eating a, a lot of vegetables and things like that. So it seems counterintuitive, but our ancestors, you know, they would go a week, a week at a time without food, right? So, yeah. I mean, of course their, their carb levels were, were zero. And so it's really that ancestral approach. And the cool thing about a ketogenic diet is a fasting mimicking diet. So we get the benefits of fasting, but we're still consuming some calories. So it's more more comfortable approach 
mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, you know it's not as intimidating. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I think you you'll cover this in other episodes yeah. or other shows. But you know, ketones themselves have a healing effect, right? We, we oh, know yeah. that research shows they turn off bad genes that have been turned yes. off. They downregulate inflammation, right? Yeah. They can have a positive effect on our gut bacteria. Uh, they're good for the brain. They burn cleaner. I mean, so I just yeah. gave you a lot of reasons why I believe, we believe, that our ancestors were forced into times of ketosis, yes. fat adaptation yep. for reasons they didn't know. You know, but it, it, it really reset their DNA, it reset oh, their yeah. gut bacteria, their microbiome. You know, and, and so today the problem is, is we're not forced to do that. We're surrounded right. by carbohydrates. <laughs> so yeah. we're not forced to be put into these famine situations, dietary changes from our environment, seasonal changes, whatever it is. We're not forced into times of ketosis and therefore we're missing a great yeah. benefit. Yeah, because ultimately we're not going to fast unless yeah. either we're forced to or we've got some level of high motivation, such as maybe a religious or cultural practice or just this knowledge, like listening right. to this summit, listening to experts like you and I, because I know you, you and I, I mean, we do this on a regular basis. I do a 24-hour fast yep. every week, and it's like, you know, years ago, it was so hard for me to maintain my muscle mass, and I was eating five, six meals a day. Yeah. And now, it's like I find that a 24-hour fast every week and then doing intermittent fasting throughout the week and staying fairly low carb throughout the week is the best strategy for me to maintain mm-hmm. muscle mass. And so, yeah. yeah. That's right. I do the same thing, you know. And what are we doing? We're actually just mimicking what our ancestors did, right? Yes. You know, feast famine cycles. Uh, right. Diet variation is what I you know, kind of nicknamed that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think too, too low a carb too long you run yeah. into some issues. So the mm-hmm. body can think it's uh, starving and yeah. then it will do things to slow fat metabolism down. That We don't want that. It can yeah. go into gluconeogenesis. We don't want that. That was your body can take its muscle and start using it for energy. We don't yeah. want any of those things. Right. So throwing some feast days into it, um, remarkable. Throwing some fast days into it, yeah. just like our ancestors did, is yeah. remarkable. You know, so feast famine cycling, it, it works. Yeah, and you have a good strategy for that, the feast famine cycling. And I've I've used that with a lot of people. And what I like about it is it's really sustainable. Like people can grasp that in their head and they're like, you know, I could do like, you know, I'm going to have you talk about it, but it's like six low six ketogenic days, right? With mm-hmm. with a, a 24-hour fast, which really isn't that hard. It's like dinner to breakfast or mm-hmm. a fat fast in a sense because you could do something like fat co- fatty coffee or whatnot, broth if you want to, something along those lines. And then you know you it's like dinner to dinner and mm-hmm. once you become fat adapted it's really not that hard very um, easy to do yeah in fact you just get busy and productive and yeah. um you know it's like you actually have your busiest and most productive day um you know when you're fasting and then you have that one higher carb day and uh you know for most people they can grasp with this you know what i can i can do low carb six days a week as long as i can have that one day where i can go higher carb yeah. And, and tell us more about the advantages of doing a strategy mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll give those listening and watching some real good guidelines here. You know, there's a couple plans that, the, yeah. that my doctors and I use. One is a 5-1-1 plan. Mm-hmm. So imagine just doing uh, ketosis five days a week. Um, and then one day a week, picking what you said, where you just eat one meal, right? It could be an afternoon meal. It could be dinner. It could be breakfast. I don't care what meal you eat. Just pick where you just eat one meal. 
and then you're fasting approximately 22 to 24 hours, yeah. right? Studies show major, major benefit to that. I mean, mm. uh, growth hormone rises, um, stem cell activation. I mean, all kinds of amazing things happen. And then we take one day a week where we remind the body it's not starving, and we throw a feast day in where we yeah. eat more carbohydrates that day. Maybe you eat three meals that day, regardless, okay. and maybe even eat more protein that day. But you call we call that a feast day. So five one one. So five days of ketosis one day of a feast, one day of a fast. Pretty, pretty simple to do. Now we can take it another step further. We can do even three, two, two plans, maybe four, yeah. two, one plans. So what does that look like? So maybe we take two or three days a week and we fast eating one meal a day. We even take it further. People have weight loss resistance, hormone challenges where we'll go a whole day without eating until the next day. So maybe you fasted 36 hours or 42 hours do that once or twice a week, yeah. right? So varying it like that, diet variation, it, it is remarkable. And, and here's why it works. You're forcing adaptation. When you force adaptation, you get you become stronger, right? So yes. your body will do things. I call it hormone optimization. It'll do things by optimizing its hormones, raising growth hormone, doing these things to adapt to the change, but that adaptation makes you stronger. So think of working out. You work out, you're forcing the body to adapt to a stress and you get stronger, you feel better. It's the same thing we're doing with yeah. diet. And by the way, everyone that exercises a lot knows that if you go into the gym and do the same thing, same thing, same thing, eventually it's not working. Yeah, <laughs> Change exactly. what you're doing, you know? So I'm saying to do the same thing with the diet. So yeah. maybe do four days of ketosis, two fasts and one feast day. Or maybe you do three, two, two, you know, three days of ketosis, uh, two days of fasting, two days of feasting. However you want to do it around your schedule. Yeah. My, I love my Saturday uh, is my feast day. <laughs> it just makes sense, right? Yeah. So, but anyways, that the adaptation you're forcing makes the body better instead right. of just staying low carb. Yeah, I'll tell you something else we learned. And again, it's just listening to that innate intelligence in the body. Uh, women that are very low carb too long. It seems like they cannot thrive like they were in the beginning, or maybe they don't thrive at all. Well, if you listen to their body, if they listen to their body, a week before their period, or maybe it's the week of their period, and it can be different for anybody, they get cravings. Well, what we know is low insulin or too long. So by yeah. doing low carbohydrate, you develop low insulin. We know that you need insulin to convert certain hormones. As an example, thyroid hormone. Yeah. T4 needs to convert to the active form of thyroid hormone. So you have energy, you burn fat as energy, you know, on brain fog. So when you have plenty of active T3, you feel better. Well, you need insulin to make that conversion. So if you're low, if your thyroid's already not functioning great, when you get your insulin down lower, now it gets worse. So what we do is the week that they feel like they have those cravings, the week before the period or the week of their period, we give them high carbs for one week. So this is diet variation where we go high carb for a week and then we go back into ketosis. It yeah. works. And then I'll throw one more out there. Seasonal. I believe seasonal changes, where the sun's positioned, temperature, all changes our gut bacteria and therefore 
changes the foods even that our body will thrive from. Mm. You know, so if you look at ancient cultures, you know, coming in the fall, early winter, they ate more healthy grains. I'll, I'll say that yeah. because there's many unhealthy grains. Yeah. But they ate more, you know, they, the, the uh, what do you call it? The, the root vegetables, things yeah. that had higher carbohydrates. Yeah. And they went into winter, you know, ready. And then in the deeper winter, they went into ketosis. So the point right. is, is that seasonal changes also play a role in this diet variation that we know can break someone through a hormone problem. Right. So what you're saying is, hey, vary the diet and kind of find the right balance for you. I know insulin plays a big role with estrogen, right? Mm -hmm. So insulin goes up, estrogen goes up. And so for many women, you know, some of those cravings are trying to drive up more estrogen. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, just like you said, has a huge role with the hormones and, and just getting the right hormone balance. So we yeah. don't need to be dogmatic about, hey, always low carb. You, know, you want to find the right ratio for you. And we know just getting into ketosis from time to time and cycling out in and out can be an incredible healing tool. In well, the, because in the body. We, we hear these blanketed statements. Yeah. Oh, if you have a thyroid condition, you can't do ketosis or you right. can't. Oh, okay. Well, you can. You just have to yeah. vary it more. You have to throw yes. in carb days, right? And then it right. works. Carb weeks, as I mentioned, right? Yeah. So we have to stop the blanket statements. Yeah. You know, it, we have to emulate what our ancestors done, have done. You know, I, I have the opportunity to train, you know, hundreds of doctors around the country. So we get a lot of feedback. What works? Yeah. You know, thyroid or hormone challenged individuals can go into ketosis, but you have to be more strategic using these mm -hmm. diet variation strategies. And uh, you know, we, you put that together with the right cellular detox. You know, this is how we're getting very, very sick and challenge people well. But, you know, I, I think when you, we talk about these blanket statements, this diet, paleo is the way to go. Vegan, vegan vegetarians, uh, you know, ketosis. Look, I believe there's a place for all of them when you use yeah. another strategy of diet variation because we've heard the stories. Listen, I went vegan and I felt so mm -hmm. much better. Okay, but what happened if you stayed vegan? You know, I'm right. sure you created some health challenges, right? I went paleo and I felt better. But we know high protein too long creates yeah. certain challenges, right? right? Ketosis too long creates certain challenges. So the point is, is there's a, there's a need to vary the diet uh, yeah. instead of just being blanketed. Hey guys, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite food products. I mean, if you're out there and you're looking for healthy snack options or, you know, really healthy food, sometimes it can be hard to find a gut-friendly gluten-free snack option and that's why you need to know about paleo valley they're a hundred percent grass-fed beef and a hundred percent pasture-raised turkey meat sticks are not only loaded with delicious flavor but they are completely free of carbs and sugar such a great bioavailable protein snack to grab on the go I oftentimes will eat them with meals too. Like if I eat a meal and I'm still a little bit hungry, feel like I need a little bit more protein and healthy fats, I go ahead and have them. You know, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're dairy-free, GMO-free, preservative-free. I mean, what's not to love about that? On top of that, they actually also have probiotics in them as well. So you're getting the protein, healthy fats, and you're getting probiotics, lots of key minerals and nutrients in there, and they taste amazing. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. 
Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. My kids and I absolutely love them, and I know your family will too. So try them out today. Yeah, exactly. That's one thing we were really trying to do in this summit. So we've got a great interview on basically using ketosis for thyroid issues, right? So we got an interview on that. We've got a great interview on plant-based ketogenic diet, particularly for cancer, right? Just reducing insulin and mTOR pathways. And so, yeah, for therapeutic situations, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can be doing. And what you and I know is it's really just comes down to ancestral approach, right? And basically our ancestors just had this sort of variability based on food accessibility and their bodies were constantly encountering new stressors, and they were adapting and becoming more resilient. Like, you know, just this past weekend, I was doing polar bear plunges, right? And I had a hot, I was in a hot tub, and then I would jump into the, into the cold forcing water, adaptation. Forcing, forcing adaptation, exactly. And it was painful, but man, I felt on top of the world, just exhilarated. And, you know, I do a cold shower pretty much every day. I finish my shower. I start hot, right? And then finish it for 30 to 60 seconds. These are that really cold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the end, and it's just, yeah, forces that adaptation. So that's yeah. something we definitely want to be doing throughout our Yeah, yeah, there, there was a study. There was a study on that where they, they yeah. took uh, mice who were unable to lose weight, right, weight loss resistance, and they exposed them to cold. And that, that shock, they said, you know, all of a sudden they were able to break through weight loss resistance. And what yeah. they realized, okay, we know that it works. But what was, where was the adaptation actually coming from? Where was the hormone optimization coming from? They found out that a certain bacteria was changing to adapt. So when they wow. went to the cold, this bacteria changed in the microbiome, and then that's what changed the hormone, uh, the hormones and led to the, the weight loss ability. So, I so mean, the, the point is, is that diet variation, temperature yeah. variation, exercise variation, all of it can force adaptation drive hormone optimization and now all of a sudden we feel good it's a strategy you know we use and it, yes. it really works it really does yeah and it's so counterintuitive to how most of us were trained because we were yeah. trained to always seek out comfort in fact you know the american medical association their slogan is to ease suffering it's like hey we don't want to suffer and i mean obviously we don't want chronic long-term suffering but at the same time short-term pain or suffering yeah. you know really actually forces that adaptation and makes us stronger so yeah and i think as you know practitioners we have to pull back and say you know is the body adapting right so yes. we can we can overtrain somebody and totally. then now they're not adapting and the moment you're not adapting you're getting weaker <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, exactly you know, we want to make sure that we are in, in fact adapting Yes, uh, you know, which is which is classic. So you got to have the right dose, and the dose can vary depending on your sleep, your stress, you know, all those other factors. So very, very good. And I know you have a two-two-two rule, which I really like because it helps people understand. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like a, again a roadmap for what yeah. they should be doing as they are on this sort of low-carb ketogenic approach. So can yeah, you explain you know, that? I think that we know that getting people. Part of the magic here, right, with ketosis is eating these amazing fats. But you, yeah. you pull something out, right? Because people go, well, I'm, I'm not getting vegetables. Well, there's two thoughts there, and I, re- remind me about that. Because, you know, number one, you said something, and it's true. We actually did a study with Joe Mercola with some of my doctors, and we actually put 
uh, people that were vegans into ketosis. So you can absolutely mm -hmm. make it plant-based. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that because the Eskimos necessarily weren't, but yet they didn't have health challenges. But, you know, so th the point is the 222 rule, though, gives us a way that we're making sure we're getting fats in our diet that are part of the healing, part of fixing the memory, but also varying the types of fats. So I love taking to make sure pe get people get like two at least. And these are, this is at yeah. least the minimums, right? Yeah, right. At least two tablespoons of coconut oil a day because these are medium chain triglycerides. Yeah. And the body uses them a little differently. And then we want some of those saturated fats. So two tablespoons of butter or ghee, which mm -hmm. is a clarified butter, amazing, right? So yeah. two tablespoons of that. And then two tablespoons of a, maybe a monofat, like olive oil, which has yeah. different qualities, right? So, you know, making sure they get different fats. And then I'll add one more two in there. It's two teaspoons of sea salt. Yes. Because when you're going into ketosis, when people go, I don't feel well, I'm not adapting, I'm losing muscle, nine times out of 10, it's just the need for more electrolytes. Oh, yeah. You do lose magnesium. You do can lose some calcium. You can lose some potassium so making sure if you're taking sea salt in you're you're maintaining potassium yep. which you know helps maintain your electrolytes so electrolytes are very very important especially the first few oh, months of ketosis so anyways the 222 rule kind of helps with getting the fats and making sure you balance in the electrolytes yeah, and I'm really glad you emphasize the electrolytes. And we have a whole interview on strategies to overcome the keto flu. And that's one of the biggest things we focus on, just getting those electrolytes. Because again, it's kind of like with fat, we've been told low salt, stay off of salt, that it's bad. Number one, we want to get the right salt. We don't want to just use typical table salt, which actually dehydrates your body. But we want to use a good Himalayan salt, Redmond's yeah. real salt. So good high quality. I like the pink salt um, or maybe a Celtic gray salt, just really high quality salt. And we want to be generous with it because when your insulin goes down, insulin is basically helps us retain sodium. So when insulin drops, which it should as we go into ketosis, we're going to excrete a lot of sodium, and we need that. It's going to it's huge for energy. And you know, mm -hmm. big thing, Dan, that I that I'll, I'll tell people is we don't actually eat for energy. We eat for adaptation and recovery. We drink and use electrolytes for energy. I mean, cellular energy. Our, our nervous system, we're, we're, we're electrical beings. So we need the yeah. electrolytes and the, and hydration in order to produce energy that drives yeah. us every single day. And we eat just really to recover, rebuild those cell membranes. Like you were talking yeah. about, provide some of those raw materials. And, uh, you know, if we, if we start to remember that slogan, we realize how important hydration electrolytes really are. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's so true. You know, I, I watched uh, Steve and Finney lecture um, yeah. a few months ago. And he's doing some amazing studies in, on ketosis right now. And one of the things he had said from, I, I think it was in the questioning answer time, but someone said about adrenal, uh, low adrenal people, should they do ketosis? And he said, you know, of course, it's all nonsense. They just need at least four grams of salt a day, which raises yeah. blood volume, right? So right. that's why, you know, adrenal issues, a lot of people have low blood volume for multiple things, which stresses yeah. the adrenals. And by increasing that, volume it, it's transformative for him so he was recommending four grams of sea salt a day especially in your low adrenal people so yeah. that's from finney himself right there 
Yeah, it's so important. And you don't really have to just go out and take a teaspoon of salt. In fact, if you do that, you'll probably end up on the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> However, I would, I would, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we've been there. We've experimented. Yeah, yeah, uh, if you are constipated, actually, it's very helpful. Yeah. Take a teaspoon of salt, chug a bunch of water, and uh, it will come out. Um, just give yourself about two hours to, uh, to stay yeah. at home and, and get rid of it. Um, but basically, you know, we want to make sure we're salting our foods well or using like fermented foods. Pick, like, like for me, when I'm fasting, oftentimes I'll just crave pickle brine. I'll be like, I've got to just drink some pickle juice right now. And it's kind of this desire for electrolytes. And I drink that and I feel on top of the world. I just feel super energized or kimchi or something along those lines. So, you know, a lot of our foods that our ancestors consumed were rich in a lot of these minerals, right? And yeah. so, yeah, so I mean, think about, and, and that kind of takes us into the next st stage, which is what are, let's, let's go through some of your favorite ketogenic fat burning foods. Like what, what are the main foods that make up your diet on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, we already mentioned some of those, you know, fats and oils, yeah. you know, I love ghee, I, you know, this morning, um, so uh, November, I had perfect diet variation, right? Um, in November, I, I was in ketosis. Most of the summer, I was out of ketosis. Mm -hmm. I moved back in at the end of the summer. Um, and then in November, I was out. Yeah. I went to Italy, right? And then, of course, thanks. So, but I purposely did this, right? It wasn't yeah. like I was cheating. I, and I had no, yeah. really, I was still eating healthy, but again, yeah. I was purposely out of ketosis. And then um, now I'm back in, right? So this morning, I had uh, a tablespoon of ghee. You know, you can put it in your, you can put it in your coffee. You can put it in your tea, or just straight off the spoon. I love the one with sea salt already added. It's yeah. delicious, right? Love that. So that's one of my favorites. I love. It. I love avocados. I love nuts. Yeah. I, um, I love nut butters. Uh, you know, which offers some carbohydrate, but it offers fibers. It offers amazing fats. Um, let's see. Um, what are some of the other things that? You know, I, I like, I like coconut, but I don't like coconut oil, but I'll do it. You know, MCT yeah. oil is a little easier for me mm -hmm. um, than coconut. I don't know what it is with me with coconut oil. I get the shakes, <laughs> but I'll still do it. But MCT yeah. oil straight up. Uh, and then, you know, I, I like, I like, uh, even like, um, some of the lards, the grass fed lards. Like I love the saturated fats, especially in winter. I just thrive from it. That's what our ancestors yeah. did. Those fats were stored, you know, they were easily stored. They were easily kept. Nuts were easily kept in the winter. So I gravitate to those things, right? Butter fats. I love those things. Oh, right? yeah. I, here's a, I love doing this. I like taking, taking organic grass-fed raw, which we're able to get, cream, which contains zero carbohydrate, yeah. whipping it up. And you could add a little stevia or not. You can just put some extracts in it. And man, it, it's like... I f you feel like you're cheating, but you're getting all these amazing fats. So anyways, those are some of my ideas, you know, that I, that I like to do. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And, and, you know, even when you're coming out of ketosis, you're still consuming a lot of these foods and uh, in general, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Sometimes it's hard for me to come out because I, yep. I gravitate to those fats. Yep. Yep. 
Exactly. Yeah, like for me, I mean, just my default, I crave those fats and, and saltier foods like fermented foods. I just naturally love that kind of stuff. Um, I love like smoked salmon. That's mm. one of my, oh, love it. You know, just wow. getting those natural salts, especially when I'm low carb. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just so good. And then you're right, like certain times, like for, you know, for, for people like as we're doing this interview, it's, you know, we just finished Thanksgiving. It's like, in America, I mean, great holiday to come out of ketosis, right? Cycle yeah. out, have your pumpkin pie, have your sweet potatoes with a bunch of grass-fed butter, some cinnamon on it. Tastes great. You cycle out, and then you can always cycle back in the next week, right? So it just it works great. I, I, I'll tell you, let me give you a little little tip. Yeah. Right? When people today, you know, the, the, the standard American diet, the toxins we're exposed to, a lot, most of these toxins they end up binding up in our liver into the bile. Mm. In the bile, you need to digest fat, right? Yeah. And it's very important. But it holds toxins. And we call it hepatic biliary sludge because it gets yeah. thick. When people start not being able to fix their digestion, when they don't feel well, we got to get rid of that bile. Mm-hmm. So it, when you do this, whether it's a thick you know, tablespoon of ghee, some people yeah. might go, oh, I can't tolerate that. I can't tolerate the fats. That's a thick hepatic biliary sludge that you have to get rid of. So taking what you do is you take a binding agent and I'm not here to sell product, but I, I'm, yeah. I love mine called bind B I N B. You could use, you know, other ones, uh, you know, carbon itself can be okay, but it only binds, um, the organics. It doesn't bind the inorganics as well. But anyways, yeah. you take a binding agent 30 minutes later, you eat some of this fat. So the binding agent sits in your gut. And then when you force out the bile, because you're taking this dense fat of these fats, then it dumps the toxin and you grab it in the binding agent and pull it out. Look, you could do the same thing with a lot of fiber. You know, so if you took yeah. a fiber supplement in your gut, 30 minutes later, eat some of these fats we're talking about, it's a way to clear out that toxic bile. Yeah. So you don't reabsorb it. I'm telling you, it works. Totally I mean, we've important. been doing that for years, Dave, you know, yeah. it, in a, in it stinking works, man. So eating fat, you need it to clean the liver in yeah. the gall, that hepatic biliary sludge, but doing it with a binding agent for those of you who are really toxic, it works. That's such a great suggestion. Cause there's a lot of people that are listening to this. They're like, you know, this all sounds good, but whenever I try to eat fat, I end up burping or, you know, just not digesting it. Well, So what you're saying is, Hey, that's, that's a sign. It's a clear sign of this hepatobiliary sludge and it's a great strategy so binding agents you said a fiber supplement you're talking about carbon so activated charcoal uh maybe a bentonite clay so whatever you have you know access to and you've got the product bind which is great which is you know made specifically for this yeah and um so you take that 30 minutes before Mm -hmm. and then you just drink it with water basically and then um you go ahead and you just take a tablespoon you said tablespoon of ghee or olive Mm -hmm. oil or something like that and yep. uh, it just helps flush it because you need that bile to break down the ghee and the, the or the olive oil, whatever kind of oil. You want a long chain fat, so you wouldn't want to do MCT, right? Yeah, but, uh, correct. Yeah, but butter, you know, something along those lines, pump out that, uh, you know, the bile. So knock the, the sludge off and then your body will just bind it and pull it out of the system. So I'll tell you what, you do that for a week to a month and yeah. watch what happens. You know, when you look at where the bile from the liver, you know, the gallbladder sits off the liver, it stores the bile, which becomes very toxic, right? And most yeah. Americans. But if you look at where the, uh, the pancreas produces a lot of digestive enzymes, right? Yes. If you look where they combine, once this sludge is up with the thick bile, 
now you're not able to get your pancreatic enzymes yeah. into the digestion. Right. And then something else happens. We so many Americans have GERD issues, right? Yeah. And, and heartburn. Mm-hmm. So then another thing that happens is because you're not getting enough of the bile, what happens is now the body doesn't get the message to turn off acid production. Yep. Because the bile actually works partly to turn off the, uh, the acid production. So you start producing too much acid. And then the opposite can happen. Then the body protects itself and it starts producing too little. So you end yeah. up with all these digestive issues yeah. just because you have this hepatic biliary sludge where this little right. method here can really make a difference. So I, I hope your viewers it's, do it. It's so important. And really just all those digestive juices work in harmony. And, you know, that gut lining is so fragile. So we want to do everything we can to protect the gut lining, which ketogenic diet really helps with. But strategies like what you just talked about are huge. So absolutely. So Dr. Dan, I mean, you, this has been an awesome interview and, you know, you're really a pioneer in this, this field. You're one of the first people that really uh, introduced the idea of fat adaptation and ketosis to me and so many others, so many of the people that we interviewed for this summit. So I just want to thank you for that. And last question is this, kind of take us through the day in the life of Dr. Dan Pompa, who you're now in your fifties, right? Yeah, <laughs> and you're in phenomenal shape. You overcame this major health issue that literally handicapped you for years, and uh, so now you're in your fifties. You're busy. You're teaching doctors. You still work with people all around the world. And so, kind of take us through a day in the life of how what you're typically doing on a daily basis, and uh, and how, and your meal strategies. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about it. Like, um, you know, I intermittent fast, right? Yeah. So. That means that I typically don't eat until late in the afternoon. Um, yesterday, I just ate my biggest meal of the day right around 2 o'clock. Yeah. I had a little snack around 6 o'clock. Um, I think that's the best way of eating. I think that mm-hmm. you know, eating that bigger meal in the afternoon is a really good thing. Now, do I always do that? No, because we have dinners at light oftentimes. So sometimes I get my biggest meal later. But typically, I, I intermittent fast. Two or three days a week, I will eat one meal a day. Two, one or two times a day, I have a carb day. Um, yep. No doubt, um, I, when I'm working out a lot, I prefer to have two feast days a week. Yeah. Um, but I love having two or three fast days a week. So I yeah. do that all the time. Uh, next week, I'm going to be fasting for five days. So I'm going to do mm. just water for five days. I try to do that once a year at least. So um, my wife just did a five-day fast uh, a month ago. So I periodically do that. I believe our ancestors did that. Matter of fact, yeah. the, the Hunza people, who were some of the longest living healthy people on the planet, they call it fasting spring. Every spring, they start by fasting. That's perfect. Uh, in spring is typically when I like to do it, but I just decide to do it in December. So I'm going to yeah. do it probably two this year, December and spring. I'm going to do that. And I like at least four days as a minimum, five um, I think is a perfect number uh, of fasting days, but you could do that with bone stock, broth, in yeah. other words. You could do it on just water, like I'm doing. You could do it on something called whey water. Um, anyways, I think fasting is a big part of what I do. Uh, I love exercising. I vary it. I do some mountain biking. I love being outside. I, I do hiking. Uh, winter's here, so I'm going to do some cross-country skis, some downhill. I mix it up, but I keep it fun. I, I keep it active. I still love doing weights, too, by the way. I like Especially yeah. at my age, the joints, the muscles, I believe resistive training becomes even more important. Oh, so yeah. resistive, some outdoor, when I do the aerobic type of things, I like to do the outdoor activities. 
So that's what I do. I move in and out of ketosis, as I said. Seasonally, I change it. I'm not always in ketosis. Um, so I think there's great importance. We could do a little, a whole show on that. Detox, yeah. my cellular detox, which you know I became known for, mm-hmm. got me well. I, you know, yeah. I, I did my brain phase of detox for four years. I still do um, probably four to six of these cycles a year just to mm-hmm. keep toxins moving out. That's what I do, Dr. Dave. I love it, man. And you're in your 50s now, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a 50-year-old in better shape, more productive, more mentally sharp, and physically just um, in, in better shape than you. So, uh, so well, keep it up with my kids, man. That's been <laughs> my <laughs> It's good to surround yourself, right? They're, they're, they're constantly challenging me, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, God forbid yeah. I, I put on, you know, any fat anyway. They're going to point it out. You know, and God forbid I slack in the gym because – they're, they're going to challenge me, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's a pull-up yep. contest or something. It's always something. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's another strategy. Surround yourself with a strong room, right? Have people around you that push you to, uh, to have higher and higher level of adaptation in a healthy, you know, encouraging way. And so awesome stuff, yeah. man. And so, Dr. Dan, where can people find more information about you, about cellular healing, about cellular detox? And mm-hmm. you, know, you, got a, you got a cellular healing TV as well on uh, YouTube and podcast. So yeah. tell everybody where they can find out more about you. Yeah, so you're on TV. I interview yeah. other experts like you do, you know, from all yeah. around the world mm-hmm. on these topics. Yeah. I've written thousands of articles, drpompa.com. So dr yeah. like doctor. And then my last name, p-o-m-p-a.com, drpompa.com. Find it all there. Awesome. Love it, man. And if you, the listener, have gotten value out of this interview, then I want to encourage you to consider owning the entire Keto Edge Summit for yourself. That way you get access to all of these interviews, the transcripts, all of our bonuses. So you can start putting these types of action steps into practice and see the results, the empowering results that come with it. So if you do that, we would be so honored and we will see you on a future interview. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.